Hello, my name is Dr. Paul Wheatley-Price, a medical oncologist and president of Lung Cancer Canada. Welcome to our podcast series called Lung Cancer Voices. In this series of podcasts, I'm interviewing patients, caregivers, healthcare professionals, some of the leading lung cancer researchers in the country, indeed in the world, to highlight important and relevant issues facing those affected by lung cancer. In this episode of the Lung Cancer Voices podcast, I am thrilled to be sitting down with Bonnie Adario, who is, um, I would say, world-renowned in the lung cancer community as a leading uh, patient advocate and, um, and founded her own foundation, and uh, it's really exciting. And so, Bonnie, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. And you told me a moment ago, I asked you if you had a cold, and you said no. I said, no, I don't have a cold. I um, only have one vocal cord, which was, you know, part of my treatment program. And it kind of left me with this sexy voice. Well, it's quite common, actually, in lung cancer, isn't it, to, for yeah. people to lose a vocal cord. And some people exactly. have surgery to repair it. Did you exactly. do that? Well, tried it once, and it didn't go well. Right. So because your voice I, didn't sound so sexy after that? I, I ended up stridering. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, after right. in, in, the, in the operating room. So we thought, well, we'll just leave this alone. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. Well, we're going to talk about more than your vocal cord. Okay, um, good. But Bonnie, maybe just tell me a bit about your background for people who, who are not as, not as aware of okay. you and your okay. history. Okay. Well, um, 15 years ago, uh, I was diagnosed with lung cancer, stage 3B. And I've already lost four family members to lung cancer. My mom was actually diagnosed after I was, and we lost her. And I had a lot of time. I had a hard time getting diagnosed in the first place. And when I, when I was, they pretty much told me there was nothing they could do for me. The tumor I had was on my heart and my um, subclavian artery. And they said I was not operable and maybe a little chemo and whatever, and we'll just call it a day. Well, I didn't take no for an answer. I kept looking, found a great multidisciplinary team in San Francisco at UCSF. And I'm here today because of them. And I started... And 3B lung cancer, you know, when people I see in the clinic and they ask me, well, what are my chances? Right. You know, it's about one in 10. Right. So... Right. Great. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And it's really kind of interesting because... Previously, I um, ran a business and did quite well. And um, uh, somebody said to me one day, you're really lucky, aren't you? And I said, you know, I am, but there's something else that I'm going to be doing. This isn't it. That, you know, and lo and behold, I ended up in that Barco Langer having uh, chemotherapy and uh, radiation five days a week and had a lot of time to give lung cancer a good, a good runabout. And I decided right then and there in the Barco Lounger, if I made it through the knot hole, I was gonna do something about this because a patient shouldn't have to work that hard to get a diagnosis and to get the right treatment at the right time. And so it, that was the, the, the seed yes. of the yes. Bonnie J. Adario Lung it. Cancer Foundation. And I made it through the knot hole, and I had no choice. I had to keep moving forward, right? <laughs> and, and so you founded the foundation um, shortly after that? I did. I founded it right after, as soon as I was 
you know, it was probably about a year. It took about a year to get through this whole process and get to a point where I was healthy enough to actually do something. And, you know, little, little beknownst to me, I thought what I was going to do is have some fundraisers, raise some money, and give it to the hospital that my multidisciplinary team was in. And in very short order, I realized that we had a much bigger, much bigger issue to solve than just funding, you know, one one hospital. So um, the foundation then you know, became really quite well known, but it's changed in the last twelve months. What, yes, what's it has. been happening? Yes, it has. Recently, well, you know, uh, a friend of mine, Lori Fenton, we've been friends for a long time. She was heading up the Lung Cancer Alliance in Washington D.C. We've been friends for a long time. We've talked about merging many times, but it never seemed to be the right time. We're very different. They were very uh, interested in policy and government, which needs, which totally needs to happen, and screening, early detection. And at the time, early, for me, for myself, we tried early detection, but it was way too early. It was, it was like 12 years ago, and nobody was listening at all. <clears throat> so the last time uh, Lori and I met a year and a half ago, we sat down and said, it's time. Let's do this. Let's merge. Because we were so complementary to each other. And so many of these um, entities are small and fractured. We need much more money for lung cancer funding. And we needed to do a much bigger job. So the Lung Cancer Alliance and the Bonnie J. Adario Lung Cancer Foundation have merged, and yes. you have a new name? We have a new name, and it's called Go To. And the O and the two are represents oxygen. Right. Yes. So you are the go-to foundation for, for lung, lung cancer. cancer. And so now, of course, you you cover coast to coast. Correct. In in the U.S. and Correct. have uh, you know influence beyond your borders as Abs- well. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think some of the some of the reason we've been we're so known globally is a project that we started, I guess, about ten years ago. It's called the Living Room. Right, and which a lot of people know about, but yes, I, exactly. I, I would love to hear more about that. Well, there was a, another unmet need. Everything we've done from beginning to today and beyond is about to fill gaps and correct unmet needs. And there were no, there were no support groups for lung cancer, practically none. There's still not many support groups for lung cancer. So we decided that was another unmet need, so we started one. And it was so popular, people were standing out in the street to get in. And we asked ourselves, how can we replicate this in more places? Well, we decided the only way we could do that would be to live stream it. So we called in the local TV station. They come once a month. They come, they set up all their cameras. And we're now live streaming through YouTube. And we do FaceTime Live at the same time. And we've reached 143 countries. And patients can dial in from anywhere they want. They can participate. There's a chat line during the living room. We have a a key opinion leader on any subject involved in lung cancer. And um, they can ask questions. They can email in questions to the speaker from anywhere in the world and chat with other patients while they're online or patients that are in the room. That's fantastic. And for those yeah. of listening in Canada, you're going to be in Toronto we're, we're going to in, be next in, week. In Toronto next week, absolutely. Um, and then we're going to Mexico City. 
So we've taken the living room on the road because it is so successful. And, and just in case this podcast ends up getting released after the Toronto event, yeah. you, you told me earlier that all of this is available through the, the, the patient Ab- access portal. Absolutely. If you come, if you dial in to go to.com.net, you um, go to patient services and search for the living room. When you get there, all you have to do is click on a link and you are in the living room. Fantastic. Well, I uh, actually I'm going to be in Toronto next okay, week, so okay, I'm, I, I'm going to try and come live uh, okay. to it. Um, oh, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Bonnie, tell me, um, I guess more philosophically, um, that you've got the specific example of the living room, and you mentioned the Lung Cancer Alliance are involved in in policy and government relations yeah. and. Uh, and, and at Lung Cancer Canada, we, we do government relations as well. We're pushing for early access uh, to lung cancer screening and access yep. to treatments. Um, is that is that the, the broad range, do you think, of what the foundations like yours should be doing? Or or are there there other things that are bigger priorities? I think, there, I think, that, I think it depends on what the priorities for your country and your area are. Uh, you know, I know we work with a lot of people in other countries, and um, it's really shameful how drugs don't get to them uh, like they do in the United States. But even in the United States, we're only hitting 20% of the people because we have a gap in knowledge and the local oncologist being able to keep up with all of the things that are happening right now. But it really depends on where you live and what the access is right. to good health care for lung. Could you give me an example of um, how you or your foundation or, or the living room has really made a difference? Because, you know, sometimes I think, you know, with Lung Cancer Canada, we, you know, our mission is to is to uh, support patients and caregivers and educate. And we, we, we put on patient events and we have materials and we do this podcast now. Um, but sometimes it's nice to hear like a success story of yeah. like this made a difference in someone's lives. And yeah. I imagine that you get messages all the time of of where you've made a difference. Is that yeah. is, yes. is, is that an accurate ab- guess? Ab- and ab- could you give me an example? Absolutely, I can give you an answer. Uh, uh, just just since I've been here in three days. I have hugged. So I should say that we're doing this podcast from we're Barcelona. From, from Barcelona. We're, we're, lo- we're lucky people cancer. to be yes. in Barcelona. A- absolutely. At the World Conference. You're off to the Gaudi uh, yes. Uh, yes. cathedral in yes. a bit. But we held that out for last. <laughs> right. you know, this was more important. <laughs> but in the last three days, okay, yes. you've had some messages. All of the patients that I talk to on email and in different venues and FaceTime and all of those things, some were here. And I can't turn a corner without getting a big hug from one of the patients from another country. And it's so fulfilling. And I think I think the reason, two reasons why we're successful. One, you know, I had a business background before and sort of kind of knew how to prioritize things and in the foundation to get them done. But the other thing is they know I'm a patient. They know I get it. They know I know what they're going through. And I never turn down a patient that calls and asks for help. Right. And, and you know, I, I prescribe 
what you went through and see people. I don't have the experience of having gone through yeah. it, but I know that what you went through is about a tougher treatment as we offer. Exactly. Um, so exactly. I can imagine that would be really encouraging. Yeah. So can yeah. you, so you, you, in the last few days, you've been having email conversations. Yeah. Um, you were telling me before we record, we're recording about, uh, a, a particular story. Yes, yes. Um, this this young lady from Australia, last year at World Lung, we our our uh, foundation had an opportunity to do a media event for our community centers of excellence, which is where we're bringing the um, community hospitals together to be able to teach them how to treat their patients because it is so hard for them to keep up. But. Um, there was this girl sitting in the chair, and she was crying, and she, I literally sobbing. And I made a mental note to myself: if she was still there when the media event was over, I would go over and chat with her. So I went over and I said, "Are you okay?" And she just wrapped her arms around me, and I wrapped my arms around her, and she couldn't even tell me her story. But she was just so happy to meet me because after she, when she was diagnosed, one of the first things she found on the internet was our living room. She watched one, and she said, Bonnie, I went from hopeless to hopeful. And that's what we should be doing. That's what we should be doing. I, well, if you don't mind, I'm going to tell you a story okay. as well. Okay, great. On, on that line, we ran an event um, last uh, November during Lung Cancer Awareness Month. We, had a, we called it a mini summit in, in our hospital, and it was uh, run by, uh, by patients and we, we had speakers, we had some medical speakers, we had some, uh, some testimonies, we had some practical advice on finances and things. But to me, the most powerful bit of the whole evening, which was completely unplanned, was when the host at the beginning uh, asked people to put their hand up if they'd been diagnosed within the last 12 months. Okay. And so some hands went up. And then the host said, and now if you were diagnosed between one and two years ago, would you put your hands up? And some more hands went up. And then it was sort of two to three, three to four, yep. and hands kept yep. going up. And it was, yep. who's, who was diagnosed more than five years ago? And hands went up. Yep. And you could just see the people exactly. who had just been diagnosed within exactly. a year look around, and their body language lifted, and exactly. it was terrific. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, uh, they, we, you know quite well that we have this five-year, you know, if you make it five years, the odds are, you know, you've, you've, You've reached a, a goal yeah. that very few people haven't reached. But just what you said is exactly what's happening. And that's encouraging patients to live their life instead of live like they're dying, live like you're living. And don't miss anything. Don't miss a moment because we're all going to die sooner or later. But, um, uh, and it's not necessarily going to be because you have lung cancer. And that's getting, we're getting more hopeful all the time. I think that's a good point to close this with your line there, live like you're living, mm -hmm. not like you're dying. Exactly. I love that. I'm going to use yes. that. Yes. And I told somebody last night, I said, when you get up in the morning, you look in the mirror when you're getting ready to, and you're going to go out. You look in that mirror and say, lung cancer, you're not coming out with me today. I'm leaving you right here in the mirror. And it makes a difference. That is fantastic. If you're listening to this and you would like to get involved with an organization that can support you or you are looking for some support, um, you can go to, to our website, lungcancercanada.ca. 
uh, goto.net mm -hmm. um, and uh, and there are others out there probably uh, where you're listening uh, the global lung cancer coalition is or glcc is the is the group of a lot of these organizations internationally that partner together yes um Bonnie, thank you so much. This You're has welcome. been so much You're fun welcome. to sit down with you. Thank oh, you. It was, it was wonderful to meet you quite a while ago and still have a relationship with you because you are a fighter. You are a fighter. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us. Lung Cancer Voices was made possible in part by a generous donation from Marielle and Nick Burris. Thanks to our producer, Ryan Mullen. Please send us your feedback, like, and follow us on Facebook at LungCan and on Twitter at lungcancer underscore can. For more information about lung cancer or to donate, volunteer, or share your story, visit our webpage at lungcancercanada.ca.